I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We're investors at VMG Partners, and we help build iconic consumer brands. Every day, some of the world's most fascinating founders share their stories with us before they've made it. Their highs and lows. Mistakes and triumphs. But always extraordinary results. And now we're sharing these stories with you. This is Unfinished Biz. All I would tell people is they're an almond-based tortilla and they're gluten-free, grain-free. Buy them if you want. <laughs> but I, I'm not going to tell you the ingredients because I was so scared uh, that somebody was going to copy me. Uh, because in the back of my mind, I thought this could be a business and I don't want to ruin my chances. On this episode of Unfinished Biz, we chat with Miguel and Veronica Garza, two of the co-founders of Family Business Siete. The company makes grain-free tortillas and tortilla chips, which was born out of necessity, a health crisis. The Siete family now aims to keep others healthy too, while leaning on its loyal consumer base for inspiration. So we're a healthy Mexican-American food brand. Our first core value will tell you a lot about how we approach everything. So our first core value is family first, family second, business third. And that really um, dictates and directs us uh, as far as where we're going in the grand scheme of things. Learn how Veronica, Miguel, and the entire Garza family turn their creative recipes into a beloved business, why sticking to your roots can still be lucrative, and where Siete plans to expand next. Unfinished Biz starts now. Robin, when I first met Miguel and Veronica, their business wasn't even named Siete. It was actually called Must Be Nutty Foods. Nice. So they started the company with an almond flour tortilla. And the whole rationale behind it was it was one of Veronica's favorite foods. But because of a health issue, she couldn't eat an ordinary tortilla. So she had to create something of her own. And she created an almond flour-based tortilla. In each of these conversations, it seemed like a new family member would come up in each of their stories. And it was very clear over time that for Miguel and Veronica, family was of a, of a huge importance to them. And for those of you who don't know, Siete means seven in Spanish, and it stands for the seven family members who played a role in the building of this business. And it's definitely been a labor of love. At this point, the family and the company both have truly embraced what their sort of overall heritage is, as well as their family values. And they're trying to build a platform for healthy Mexican food. We caught up with Miguel and Veronica Garza at VMG's offices in San Francisco. So I had to start following a grain-free diet. Uh, I was dealing with a lot of autoimmune conditions, including lupus, um, Hashimoto's. And um, it, I found that following a grain-free diet really helped me to alleviate a lot of the symptoms that I was experiencing. And this actually came uh, out of a recommendation from my older brother, Rob, um, he had done some research and found a lot of people saying that they were feeling better following like a paleo type grain-free diet. So I changed my diet in 2009 and luckily for me, um, I have a super supportive family that not only did they support my diet, but they, they followed the diet with me. Oh, wow. Yeah, and there's, <laughs> <laughs> there are seven of us in our family, mm -hmm. so five kids and my two parents. And where do you fall in the... I am right in the middle, okay. so number right. three. Um, and um, we were just, we all started eating that way together, and it made my life a lot easier, it made it easier for me to get healthy. Did your parents join in too? 
my parents. My dad was the last to follow along. He was, um, he was the holdout. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, he did too. Um, and now that's just the diet that we all follow. Um, so yeah, I, we all changed our diet and I was feeling better and everybody was feeling better in general. But um, we're a Mexican-American family. We grew up uh, in Texas on the border, uh, Laredo. And... Uh, you know, we grew up eating things like tortillas and tortilla chips and all sorts of Mexican food. And all of those things um, were kind of off the table for us because we weren't eating corn. We weren't eating flour. Um, so we really felt like we were missing a part of our culture, really, when you can't participate in, um, you know, enjoying those foods. Uh, so... I've just always been a little bit of a tinker in the kitchen. I don't really have any uh, professional background in that. I've never been trained, but I just like to cook. So I guess I, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I think I just started looking for ingredients that um, I knew I could eat, uh, grain-free, more nutrient-dense, that I could somehow throw together and uh have something similar to a tortilla. Um, tortillas were a big part of our diet. Like the way we eat them isn't necessarily the way everybody else eats them. Like, you know, you make a taco. Mm -hmm. uh, for us, it was often just what you had in the middle of the table and you use it like a fork. Right. You know, to, it's just, it's a vessel and it's a fork. So what um, did iteration look, what was iteration one? What did, it, what did, what did that tortilla it, it wasn't as great as it is now. Um, <laughs> you didn't, you didn't hit I think it, it was a little one. bit crunchier, kind of fell apart a little bit. Um, it it has taken some some time to get it to where it is now, uh, but it was still it was still good at the time. It served its purpose, um, and slowly I started developing it, making it better and better, and introduced my family to it, and they really liked it, and um, it allowed us to continue, you know enjoying the foods that uh we we loved and this is like up. back in 09 too yeah so mm -hmm. that's when the iteration started i i was working i had a full-time job i was teaching at a university in my hometown of laredo and um this is just something that i would do on the weekends mm -hmm. um and really at, at first it was just i'm gonna make a big batch we're gonna put them in the fridge and right. we're gonna you know put them out on the table throughout the week and i would do that every weekend then my mom started helping me a little bit. Um, we started making bigger and bigger batches. <laughs> um, and then uh, something really cool. So this kind of also coincided with um, my family's sort of fitness and health journey. Um, we, in 2009, uh, when we were changing our diet, uh, we also all really got into uh, fitness. Um it started in my parents' backyard. So my brother Miguel, um, I call him Mike, so I'll often <laughs> yeah. refer to him as Mike. It's weird when I say Miguel. Um, my brother Mike and my sister Becky had started doing CrossFit in my parents' backyard. We were all home for one summer. Um, and this was right after I uh, graduated from uh, getting my MBA. And uh, it kind of just worked out where... Really, I remember like peeking out the window and seeing them doing CrossFit and they kind of invited us, me and my mom and my dad, to 
get back there with them and start doing CrossFit. And so we, we all started doing that together. Um, and it was really formal. I mean, we, every night and I think six or six thirty, we would get in the backyard and all do a workout together. And then we had neighbors join in, oh, wow. um, friends join in, and there ended up being like 20 of us in my parents' backyard. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. So from there, we started a CrossFit gym. Um, was there a price of admission to the backyard? Not uh, yeah, a little bit, was. yeah. I think like, people started paying like uh, It was like donation almost, yeah. It was like yeah. a bouncer at the door. <laughs> like, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, you know, I had this tortilla around the same time that we were building this gym, um, which eventually we moved out of my parents' backyard and actually started a business um, in a real location. But people at the gym started finding out about the tortillas. I would take them to little gatherings that we would have, and they liked them. And they weren't my family um, who, you know, had to like them or at least <laughs> tell me that they liked them. Uh, people started asking for them and my mom would help me make them on the weekends and it just kind of grew from there. Um, yeah. That's cool. So mm-hmm. how do you go from CrossFit gym in the backyard, making tortillas for neighbors to a commercialized growing brand that, that you have today? Mm-hmm. And uh, how'd this guy over here, how'd Miguel get involved? <laughs> I know. Here? Seriously. I'm, I'm the baby. How, of how the did the family, baby of the family get involved? Yeah. It was like, oh, I was a, I was a, I was a taste tester at first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's a good question. I don't know how I got here, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it was it was something I wanted to do for many years. I actually, so I had this recipe and I would get emails from people that I didn't even know asking me for it. Somehow people were finding out about them. Were and they all kind of localized at least? They were or? CrossFitters. Okay. Um, so it came viral around it the Laredo kind of did. CrossFit community. And not no, even Laredo. It, it wasn't even Laredo. So we what? had a... We were pretty involved in the CrossFit community and the paleo community through CrossFit. And so we had a website and we would go to different events. And, um, what we had, was the website called? Uh, it must have been G. Well, it wasn't for the tortillas, it was G7athletics.com. That was our gym. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, you know, we had a video sharing um, my sister's story. I think it has like 10,000 plus views now. I was just making it for people. And actually, I even started, you know, people would ask me, can you make me a batch and I'll pay you for right. them? So I would do that and they had no idea what was in them. All I would tell people is they're an almond-based tortilla and they're gluten-free, grain-free. Buy them if you want. Right. <laughs> but I, I'm not going to tell you the ingredients because I was ah, so scared. Right. Uh, that somebody was going to copy me. Uh, because in the back of my mind, I thought, potentially, I mean, this could be a business, right. and I don't want to ruin my chances um, in the meantime. That's a good foresight. So for many years, I held on to that uh, idea. But even though I have an MBA, um, I had no idea how to take this product and turn it into an actual business. And there was a lot of fear involved, too, Um what was, was it like someone in the family who said, Hey, you gotta, you gotta take that next step. Like what, what sort of made you move forward? I, yeah. I think that's how I got involved. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was living in Austin and during the time that she was continuing to iterate on the tortilla, I was, uh, in law school. It was probably like 2011, uh, graduated 2012 and then around late 2013, early 2014, 
she wasn't um, maybe feeling fulfilled at her current job. And I was actually job hunting. And I think we started probably having conversations almost uh, every day, if not weekly. And what I remember about the conversations was like, either we're going to do this or somebody else is going to do it down Mm -hmm. the road. And we're either going to like fail, which will be fine. Or we're going to uh, be really upset that someone else did it and was successful. Um, And then we kind of decided, you know, we're a little more risk averse family. um, But our conversation transitioned to, okay, well, let's just go see if somebody will buy it. Like we have folks in CrossFit buying it. um, We have people asking for it. So let's go to our local co-op Wheatsville and let's go knock on their door. And so she drove up from Laredo and brought a sample and we knocked on the door. Like we really just walked in and we were like, Hey, who buys tortillas? (laughs) Somebody comes to the front and he told us like, Hey, if you go do this list of things, like get a commercial kitchen, if you, uh, get insurance, you actually, you know, go start a business. So go register with the state, (laughs) you know, making form an LLC, do all of these things. Then we'll put it on the shelf. That's pretty good. I mean, with some of that education to work a, a little bit. That was probably the, the last, um, formation of LLC that I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you walked in, obviously you had a product, but was there, was there a brand yet? Nope. No. no. So it was just, you were selling products yeah. yeah. with about yeah. 10 tortillas in there, uh-huh. just a Ziploc bag. And, uh, my brother made the buyer taste the tortillas right in front of us. Yeah, that's one uh, thing that I always did because I knew that they got a lot of samples. Mm-hmm. And then I knew like an almond tortilla is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So I would tell them like, no, taste it in front of us. I want to see what your reaction is because I'm pretty sure you're going to love it. And they're like, I'm going to eat it later. No, no, no. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> right <here. laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So he on the spot said, I'll take them if you get all of this stuff done. And, um, I think we told him we could do it in two months, which was kind of foolish, but (laughs) we did get it done. Um, I think we recruited, um, a cousin of mine who Mm -hmm. had a little bit of Photoshop experience to create our package design. Um, we found someone to make a logo for us and we sat around and talked about, uh, name company names. Uh, was, was this a family thing or was this just the two of you? A whole family. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we were actually sitting around and everybody's tossing out names. And at that point they were really all really bad ideas, but then I had the worst idea. Oh yeah. I was going to ask this. This is great. So like <laughs> must be nutty was my, uh, and then I was remembering actually that our, our gym originally, um, it wasn't G7. Before we were a CrossFit gym, I called it uh, Show Enough Fitness because I was a big Last Dragon fan. Okay. It's a movie. Uh, yeah, Show it's a enough. movie. Yeah. Wait, is um, this like nice. that old school, like, 80s yeah. Yeah. Kung Fu movie? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Where it's, it looks like, yeah. Oh, yeah. my god. It's like Afro Kung Fu. Yeah. I yeah. have not thought about that movie <laughs> in years. Uh, oh, wow. So I'm basically the bad branding person. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but I initiated. And so we went with Must Be Nutty. And we figured all of the stuff out that we had to figure out. And, and you convinced all of your siblings and your parents that that was a name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it was just like we we have to move really fast, yeah, right? That's right? And if we don't move really fast, like somebody else is going to do it. I think yeah. that's what we've always thought. If we're not move, if we're not sprinting, somebody else is. So right. we went with Must Be Nutty and put it on the shelf, and uh, that even that was kind of a task because we're gluten free, so there weren't many gluten free commercial kitchens, and mm-hmm. we were pretty committed to being in in a gluten-free certified spot. And so we went and knocked on a door and the uh, owner told us, well, you can use this in the evenings and on weekends. So that How do you even go about finding, I mean, what was your process of finding one? Was it in Austin? Yeah. So it was, um, you know, Google and then asking around yeah. and then even driving around and trying to figure out like, where does everybody else make stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then that kind of started the process where uh, from then until now, um, my sister and my parents have been driving back and forth from Laredo to Austin um, at least once, sometimes twice a week, which is about a three and a half hour drive. Each way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. And so they've been doing that since. So for, for that, that whole... Um, as we were kind of getting things going, they were coming up every weekend and my dad, my mom, uh, my sister, Veto and myself were, uh, hand making the tortillas in a commercial kitchen, like starting at, let's say 9 PM on a Friday. And, and then we would, you know, do a small batch. We would go all day Saturday, unwind, like at the Alamo draft house, which is a movie theater. Yeah. And then Great go, time. go back in Sunday morning. Wow. And then my parents would drive, well, Beto and my parents would drive home, uh, Sunday night. Oh yeah. How long, how long was that? Did that, did that sort of schedule last for about yeah. a year and a half? Oh wow. Yeah. And then they still drive back and forth like to this day, but a year and a half of doing like consistent. That, yeah. Gosh. And were you still selling out of a Ziploc bag at the time? Uh, it was a plastic bag with a zip, like a twist tie and a, and a little Resealable bag. Yeah. Not, no, <laughs> no, just, no, not even, not, yeah, not even resealable. Not even. No, keep, just, uh, keep the twist tie. Yeah. Yeah. Twist tie and, uh, just a label on the front mm-hmm. and everybody was involved in the process. So my dad's a semi-retired at the time, semi-retired attorney. And so he was packaging tortillas and <laughs> we were making them and counting and doing kind of all of those things and dealing with all the problems that come with that. So that was start, actually yeah. a little bit part of the name too. Um, and why we agreed to it. The, the whole situation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what it was. That's good. Yeah. So how did you figure out retail? I mean, you know, you went into one store and, and pitched the product and, and hit some check boxes of what they wanted, but how do you, how do you scale into more stores? How did you get into whole foods? Um, that's a good question. I, so we've always been, pretty focused on making sure that we're successful wherever we go. And I think it's because we always felt if a retailer was putting us on the shelf, then we owed it to the retailer to be successful. Um, and so when we put our product on Wheatsville's shelves, I remember, uh, delivering it, um, in my Xterra and like putting it on the shelf, packing it out, I didn't know what I didn't know that we needed an invoice, so I just showed up and they were like, "Hey, you need an invoice." I was like, "Oh crap! I have to drive home, go right. print out an invoice at my house, <laughs> right. and then bring it back." Um, and so I had to figure that part out. 
And then we, you know, then they're like, okay, are you going to pack it out yourself? And I was like, I don't know what packing a shelf out means, but (laughs) I'm imagining that I'm supposed to put it out there. So we put the product on the shelf, came back the next day to check on it. Um, At this time, we were really just using Instagram, Mm -hmm. a little bit of Facebook, and put two cases on the shelf. And I think after like one day, we were already down to a couple of packs. And at this point, like a case was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had sold through a lot of product and the, the buyer was like, Hey, I'm going to like, I know we were going to do this weekly, but I'm actually going to need you to bring in like a couple more cases at the end of the week. And most people would probably be excited, but we were kind of like, crap. Now, now we have to go into the kitchen. Again. I know. Yeah. Like, guess what? Guess what, guess what, parents? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got some. <laughs> I've got some good news and some bad news for you. Here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Explain to the audience your product. So, what's the what's where does it stand at this point? You know, maybe talk about what part of the store it's sold at and what it is price points. Yeah. Uh, we sell grain free tortillas. So we currently have uh, three varieties: almond flour. Uh, cassava and coconut, and then cassava and chia. Uh, those sell at eight ninety nine, mainly in natural. Um, and then we have grain free tortilla chips, cassava based, fried in avocado oil, and those launched uh, January of twenty seventeen. But before that, the tortillas are sold in what section? Are we without uh, the tortillas or yeah? You, so the, the tortillas are sold refrigerated or frozen, depending on the store and what kind of set they have. Um, so in some natural stores, they really only have frozen space and that's where the other tortilla brands live, uh, in whole foods, you would find us in their refrigerated tortilla set with three, six, five, and you know, some of their other brands that they carry. Is there any, has has there been any notable challenges of getting consumers to, to know where to find your tortilla in stores outside whole foods? So at, at whole foods, people know to go to the refrigerated set in stores outside whole foods. We have had to have, um, conversations with consumers to inform them that they could find our product in, in frozen or, or in refrigerated at their stores, because most people are accustomed to going down the bread aisle Mm -hmm. and finding every tortilla under the sun, um, and just buying it there. But we're working with zero preservatives uh, so our main preservative is temperature and mm-hmm. it's, it's been a challenge as we continue to grow, um, outside of natural because consumers, even retailers, right? Like a retailer yeah. doesn't understand why, um, tortillas would ever grow frozen period. Right. Like it's just kind of weird. Uh, because they're like their tortilla buyer is often right. buying yeah. just commodity yeah, stuff, shelf mm-hmm. stable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how many tortillas are you getting for eight ninety nine? Eight. Eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then, so what, what was the genesis of wanting to transition from a tortilla to a to a, to a tortilla chip? Um, how did that come about? So we, I think, when we whiteboarded you know, who we are and who we aren't. Um, at that point, we started to think about, you know, if we're a Mexican-American food brand, what could that mean as far as products that we could put out there? And chips seemed like the obvious next step. 
um, it's basically taking a tortilla, mm -hmm. at least in our mind at the time. Take a tortilla, <laughs> you cut it into triangles, and you you know, fry them up in some oil, and you've got chips. Um, and then it was also something that in our own diets we were, you know, missing. Mm -hmm. So most of the products we've developed uh, up to this point have been uh, solving a problem, not just for myself, but mm -hmm. for my family, um, because there, you know, aren't a lot of options or grain-free options on the shelves. Um, so it was a little bit of that, you know, uh, tortilla chips seemed like the obvious next step, but then also, um, you know, we... Uh, there were a lot of people on social media uh, who were following our brand, and we started seeing uh, just a trend of them posting pictures of taking our tortillas and turning them into chips That's on their own. Yeah. Um, so we realized, you know, we won't just be solving a problem for ourselves, mm -hmm. but for all of our customers who who could use a product like this. So you mentioned diets. challenges. Of it, you know, wasn't as simple as cutting them into triangles. Well, so you got to find uh, the equipment. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't just as easy as cutting up uh, tortillas. <laughs> that would take a long time. We wouldn't be able to produce the amount of chips that we're producing today. You can get any more family members to drive from, from the radio. <laughs> yeah, we ran out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> There's only seven of us. <laughs> um, I mean, there, and there was a lot that went into it. You know, trying to um, identify, you know, good ingredients that. You know, when we put them together, they're going to actually taste like a chip. We didn't mm -hmm. want it to feel like you were eating just this like grain free cracker. Um, so, you know, finding the right ingredients that would taste good and that were nutrient dense, um, looking, sourcing, you know, quality oil. So making that decisions about uh, that decision about what oil we wanted to fry them in, um, which we landed on avocado oil. Mm hmm. Um, and then, I mean, there's all of the manufacturing yeah. stuff that the goes into yeah. that. Yep. That yeah. makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then at the same time you have, uh, I'm going to pick on you, Wayne. Oh no. Because mm -hmm. I was sitting with Wayne and I was like, yeah, I think we're going to go into a, uh, a new category. And he had no idea what we were doing. Cause we're, your, we hold everything pretty close and, uh, he gave really good advice and it was like, make sure that you stay in your category that you're currently in, like stay focused, uh, which I think is really good advice, but we're pretty stubborn. And, uh, I was like, okay, we're probably not going to do that, but I think that it's going to be pretty exciting. Um, <laughs> well, in a way you did, I mean, you leveraged off a tortilla into a tortilla chip. It's not like you, you launched something, you know, completely out mm -hmm. there. But it, it's a totally different category and I'll yeah, different store. Set. And, mm -hmm. and absolutely, yeah, and uh, you know their ambient storage. So mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. you're dealing with a totally different supply, supply chain. chain. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but I just wanted to pick on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to backtrack now. Really. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's gaining traction, so I'm I'm backtracking <laughs> on my advice right now. What I'm hearing so. is Wayne gave you the motivation to be like, you know what? I'm just gonna. That just makes me want to do this even more. And and so he was really part of the success story. <laughs> thank you. It really. Thank, thank you, Robin. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. It's revisionist it's, it's history. That's how it works. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about being a family business. You know, is it is it a uh, as Robin would call it, rainbows and unicorns every day? Well, so six out of the seven of us uh, work full-time for the business now. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, this number seven, our older sister, is working part-time for us now. Um, I, 
I actually see no issues with working with my family, um, but they might have a different story of working <laughs> with me. I don't know. <laughs> I will say that it's pretty awesome. It's rainbows and unicorns when you uh, show up at the office at 7.30 and your uh, mom and dad show up at 8 and your mom uh, treats the office like a second home and so she's making um, breakfast, not because she has to, but because she enjoys making uh, breakfast. That's awesome. Um, and she handles HR for us. So she's doing, uh, you know, those things, but she goes in, she makes coffee, she makes breakfast. The whole team practically sits around the dining table and they eat breakfast together. Um, your mom makes a mean sloppy Joe. <laughs> that, that day, yeah. That, that was damn good. That was good. Yeah. So in, in those instances, I would say definitely you drive up to the office and you're like, wow, I'm really blessed. This is really freaking cool. Uh, but we face similar challenges that um, every business faces. Like you're not going to get along with everybody all the time. But my parents have instilled in us as a family that we do have to love each other all the time. Um, and we have to trust each other mm-hmm. all the time. So love and trust kind of tr- trumps everything else. And I think that's where we have an advantage because um, there's actually no choice but to work problems out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most people would say like, man, I could never work with uh, my family. And maybe that's true. But we're just, we've always been a family where we kind of just do everything together. So the gym, Siete has become very similar to what happened at the gym where it was, we were fully like on board with Mm -hmm. having this gym. So we would finish classes at 8.30 p.m., and my mom would make dinner for the whole family and not everybody lived there, but everybody would go to my mom's house, eat dinner. And you were talking about like, how do we get more clients? How do we provide mm-hmm. a better service? And now that's just transition to how do we get more retailers? Mm-hmm. How do we, um, uh, like launch new products? How do we do all those things? But it's, it's, it's just a different discussion, but we're kind of doing it in the same way. So we've had the benefit of, of many years of, of practice, but it's definitely not, um, like we're still a, uh, uh, a business. So there's still definitely probably similar challenges that other businesses would face at our what's, stage. What's the biggest disagreement you've ever had as a family related to the business? Um, that's a good one. Putting our picture on the back oh, of the Oh, yeah. Putting our picture really? on the back of the package. Oh. Okay. Probably, yeah. Everybody was involved in that one. And to this day, a couple still don't, <laughs> still aren't super excited about it being back there. Yeah. I think that's always the difficulty is showing the personality of the brand. But we're a very, like, um, uh, humble and not wanting the spotlight at all family. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the same time, we've, um, become 
the brand, basically. So there's a constant tension. Mm-hmm. I would say constant disagreement. And even as we grow, there's disagreements all the time. Um, but I think we've learned how to like assess situations, make decisions, and then just be all in on the decision. So it's like be all in and and better together are kind of the the business mantras, if you would say. Are there are there challenges on who plays what role? You know, in terms of you know, not who who's the decision maker on something and. Not really. Um, I think we all just kind of moved into the positions that we felt most comfortable and felt like we could give the most in. Um, So, no, there hasn't really been issues with that. So I'm handling mostly, you know, product development. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my brother could agree that he probably wouldn't be the the best person to Mm-mm. to handle that. Mm-mm. I think everything's good. It's <laughs> <laughs> a problem I have. I just you just had a very scared look on his face when you said that. By the way, <laughs> it's like wait, wait, what? No. Yeah. I mean, and, and what was the process? I mean, how did how did Miguel become CEO of the company? Was it a family vote? Like, how do you decide on something like that? He weaseled his way yeah. into the position. I'm the baby of the family, man. <laughs> It's just hustling. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, I think at the time it was, so like it's a pretty stressful job mm-hmm. and, uh, my sister was, you know, still battling autoimmune conditions. And so stress is a major, mm-hmm. uh, trigger yeah. for that. So it became, again, you kind of just go where you're needed and, that's where I, I landed because at the time that's what was, uh, needed. And then it was really more like, it's really just, uh, a title and the, like I was doing a lot of the sales stuff and, and, you know, there's some people that will say like the, the titles are more for, like external communication because if the CEO of a company is emailing you versus, um, I don't know, some other title, like it may make a difference to their perspective. Um, but I think, I think I, I can do a good job of bringing about, um, consensus when it's needed. And, uh, I think that at, at that time when those decisions were being made, it was the most natural based on, on um what Siete needed at the time. Uh so and what's the long term vision? Do you see it as a continue to be a family business into perpetuity? What 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 is Siete built for? So we're a healthy Mexican American food brand. Um I think that our first core value will tell you a lot about how we approach everything. So our first core value is family first, family second, business third. And that really um, dictates and directs us uh, as far as where we're going in the grand scheme of things. I always say that um, like man plans and God laughs. So I don't know what Siete will be in the future. But I feel that um, if we're treating things in a family first, family second, business third way, and if we're doing things with integrity, um, 
then we'll continue to grow and continue to have a big uh, impact in the natural foods industry um, and then just the general business uh, industry. Um, And so if we'll be held in perpetuity as a multi-generational family business, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because we've made a let's say a pact with each other that uh, we will only continue going about things if everybody's still having fun because the, like the love of the family is more important than, than um, the success of, of the brand. So that's what will dictate it when we like, you know, your head's down and you're running as fast as you can when you're doing a startup business Mm -hmm. and every so often you pick your head up and it's like, you kind of, you know, take an account of everybody. It's like, are we still having fun? Are we still having fun? Do you guys do that systematically or is it just more because you're a family, you're always together. You just check in. Yeah, we're always together. So we're just always checking. (laughs) (laughs) Right after the break, we'll talk more with our guests, two of the co-founders of Siete foods, Miguel and Veronica Garza. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can catch up on all our episodes at unfinishedbiz.com and chat with us on Twitter at unfin underscore biz. Subscribe to our podcast for free on iTunes or any podcast app of your choice. If you like the show, leave us a review. We love the feedback. (laughs) And now back to our episode with Miguel and Veronica Garza, co-founders of Siete Foods. Up until this point, have you had a, a bet the company moment yet? Um, yes, but not in a, like, um, I don't know. Like, I feel like if we were, I'm going to reference another podcast. So (laughs) if we were listening to how I built this, like the, that like slow downturn music might come on right now (laughs) and (laughs) something like that. Uh, but it wasn't really like that, but we have, We've put it all on the line in the sense that six out of the seven members of our family are full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is full time, and uh, my oldest sister is beginning to work uh, part time. She's mm-hmm. an attorney. So, and the I know Garza attorney. <laughs> I know you guys. Uh, that's... <laughs> yeah, there's lots of lawyers, but uh, I'm the worst one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like in that sense, everybody's in, right? Like there is no, you're all in when that happens because right. there's actually no other, there's no other path. Mm-hmm. This either, like we either have to make it work or we're all going to be doing radically different things. Right. Um, and we're in a very uh, special place in a moment in time. And we've just decided to uh, all work together and be all in together. Um, and so, yeah, I think in that sense, we've definitely, like, to me, that's that's betting it all. Yeah. Well, when you're all in as a family, it's got to create some really immense joy when mm-hmm. things are going right. Was, mm-hmm. Is there a particular high point that stands out in each of your minds? Like our first, our first time hitting Wheatsville shelves, our first time hitting Whole Foods shelves, that those have been like really big moments for us um, because it serves as like a proof point where 
you feel like you're doing something that's actually making a difference. And even as an outsider looking in, you know, I, something that stands out in my mind is the text you sent me of you and your wife when you guys got the H-E-B distribution oh, and you yeah. sent me that picture uh-huh. with H-E-B in the background and the joy you guys had on your face and you could see it. Like, yeah. I, I can totally resonate with what you're, what you're talking about. For sure. So my high point actually is in relation to what you just said. Um, H-E-B is a um, Texas store. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is the only grocery store that we had in our hometown of Laredo. And so for many years, um, we had no presence in our hometown. Um, we were mostly in Austin and mm-hmm. then we started trickling out, you know, across the nation. Um, but we were still not in our hometown. So I had, um, friends and family who were constantly asking me, why aren't you in H-E-B? Right. Um, I mean, come on, that's your hometown. How <laughs> rude of you to not have your chips there or your tortillas. And they didn't understand the process, you know, of, you know, getting your, your product you on a it. shelf. Right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And so the day we hit, uh, HEB shelves, uh, with both our tortillas and our chips was a super exciting day for me because, you know, now my family and, um, my friends back in my hometown are able to experience, um, our brand and, and the products that we're selling. So it feels good to be back home. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think we've been blessed with like multiple high points, which is why it's difficult. Like we still get emails from people that will tell us that the products that my sisters created are life changing. And they're, they, they don't say it like in a, like, uh, it's like it, they're actually life changing. It's people couldn't eat tacos anymore and mm-hmm. now they can. Uh, and it's kind of silly to think like, Oh, we take tacos, uh, for granted, but I think we actually do. Right. Yeah, like yeah. like totally. chips and tortillas sure. are like for us, they were so important, uh, culturally. And you have other people who actually haven't been able to enjoy these things. And so you're providing like we, we, you know, we get parents that are like my, my kids actually can't eat any other tortillas. Uh, and I just made him a quesadilla with your tortillas and this is amazing because he loves mm-hmm. them or mm-hmm. she loves them. Um, and I think that's also like when, when you're able to impact the the community in in that way, it's, it's mm-hmm. a pretty amazing thing. Yeah, it's actually, so for me, those are the high points like, you know, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis that I always try to pay attention to. Um, And it's the reason why I want to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, the job I was in before, even though it was teaching, I never really felt fulfilled. And I never, unfortunately, it didn't feel like, uh, at least my students were super appreciative of of the work that I was doing. So it feels nice to be in a position where I'm making, you know, a food product that people actually feel like is changing their lives. And that's hard, really hard to believe. Um, you know, you would think that teaching should have done that, but (laughs) I think when, um, you know, you have to be doing what you're passionate uh, about to really make a difference. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, a lot of successes to date brands, you know, aren't always just linear and up and to the right. Is there a particular low point that resonates in your mind regarding your journey to date? Um, I think we've had like probably a lot of the challenges that I put them out of memory. 
<laughs> I think we've had a lot of the challenges that other uh, brands have had. Like you have, there was one time that we were, that's at Expo East, um, doing a pitch to a retailer. And then we got a call that our product was moldy at the shelf. And we knew that the product that was sitting in a cold storage warehouse was also moldy. And I think like the, like at those moments, Mm -hmm. you kind of feel like the world is, is crumbling around me. Mm -hmm. This is it. Why are we even doing this? There was one time where I think this is actually a really low moment because there was the time when we all almost, my wife was reminding me about this. We all almost quit because we had purchased a machine that we thought was going to work. We basically refurbished the machine. Like we had to totally clean this machine mm-hmm. and we tried for about a month to get it to work. Um, and we probably spent like it was 10, 10,000 on this machine, which was a lot of money to us. Uh, yeah, that still is a lot of money. Um, and it didn't work and we couldn't get it to work. And this machine was supposed to allow us to scale up really quickly and we were all spending, like I told you, you know, my parents are driving up, my sister's driving up. We have a couple of employees and we're spending hours upon out, like seven days a week at the kitchen, no breaks and doing deliveries, still staying up until three, four in the morning and trying to figure out how to get a handle on this thing. And then the, the machine that you thought was going to help you actually doesn't help you because it doesn't work. And so I remember my mom was crying. I was probably crying. My sister was probably (laughs) crying. And you just kind of feel helpless because uh, nothing's working. And I think probably in that moment, um, we like took a break and my dad probably gave us some sort of pep talk, like, like that we're lucky to be, Mm-hmm. in a kitchen hand pressing tortillas like there's other people that don't there's other people probably that you know don't have the luxury of going through the problems that we're going through yeah, and mm-hmm. stores were asking for our yeah, product there was real like demand. customers yeah. were asking for so it so it was in my true kind of dad mom and dad way it was like okay like shake it off it up. you're gonna roll up your sleeves and screw this machine we'll get rid of it mm-hmm we're just going to keep making these things. Just keep going. Yeah. Just keep driving <laughs> up from Laredo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so what keeps you up at night these days? For me, um, it's probably always thinking about how I can perfect even, you know, what we already have out on the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, also kind of dreaming up what could be next that Makes keeps sense. me up yeah. yeah what is next is there a little preview for our uh, our podcast here um so we want to be and i think we will be a healthy mexican american food brand and um i don't know i mean if i guess it will you tell me <laughs> And maybe no. I can wink at you. No, no she I, won't. I, I, I was, <laughs> no, she won't. I know. I was literally like, are we going to break news on our podcast? <laughs> when oh, does this nice. podcast come out? Oh, my gosh. Oh, it, way after you release that. Uh-huh. Oh, I know. Exactly. 
we'll actually time it that way. <laughs> yeah, so there there are a lot of um, just think about you know what Mexican American foods uh, could be, and I don't know. Eventually, mm. we might have something mystery. Yeah, it'll be pretty awesome. In those though. categories, cool. yeah, we're excited. Yeah, it'll be really awesome. Keeps you up at night, Miguel. Uh, so my joking answer is my dogs. I have two Australian shepherds, and they they wake me up in the middle of the night. <laughs> my real answer is that uh, that we're a real business and that we're growing, and that um, there are people that uh, we get to call um, family that work very hard for us uh, and for the team every day and that we have a responsibility to our team um, to make sure that we're successful. And I think that that's a, uh, that's a pretty big burden. So we're, you know, we're a team of about a little under 20 um, and six out of the seven of those are family. Then my wife, and then we actually just hired my, my uh, best friend and best man at from from my wedding. So it's like it's not intertwined or anything. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. So there's just a lot. You know, we've we've kind of put it all out there. So, Rob, we come across a lot of brands, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's it's usually a varying degrees of how differentiated it really is. But this is this one's pretty special. Totally I mean, agree. In, in the interview, Veronica made a phenomenal point. You know, trying to make authentic Mexican food without corn and flour—that's that's a tough ask. Mm-hmm. But I think they've been really rewarded by that by consumers. Um, once basically someone tries Siete, they're loyal. You know, I'm going to fanboy out. I love the product. Um, And it's really great to see that the Garzas are so humble. And, you know, they admit that it's not always easy, but they are able to work with their own family. And they seem to have really cracked the code on that. They do everything together. They uh, they do CrossFit. They're making food together. They're running a business together. And it's a lot. But thank God for movie nights. I love the movies. Like, absolutely love the movies. So I go to the Alamo Draft House. Okay. Go to the Alamo Draft House. Uh, I don't do gluten, so I'll have a very dry hard cider. And you can unplug at the movies because at the Alamo Draft House, they're famous for kicking people out for talking or texting. So That's you, a good thing. Yeah, you can't text. You can't check your email. Uh, and you can just totally unplug. So me and my wife go to the movies a lot. All right, guys, let's get hyped up here. This is our signature game, Rapid Fire. First thing that comes to your mind. Let's go. Miguel, you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's do this. So the first thing you read every day is? Email. What's your favorite movie? Sixteen Candles. Who's your celebrity crush? My wife. Karaoke (laughs) song you're most likely to belt out. um, I just sang it the other day. Adele. Um, wow. Yeah, and I can't remember the name of the song. Nice. Your hometown is famous for? Tacos. First car you ever drove? A um, Mustang. Oh, nice. Well, what are up name for your business that didn't make the cut? <laughs> name for the business? Uh, must be nutty. <laughs> Do you recline on airplanes? Of course. <laughs> if you could drink one thing for the rest of your life besides water, what do you choose? Matcha lattes. Oh, nice. What was your last New Year's resolution? Um, I don't do them. Hmm. 
if you were stranded on an island and you could only bring one thing, what would it be? A pillow. What's the last hashtag you used? <laughs> hashtag Siete Foods. Where is the next place you'd like to travel? Spain. If a movie was made of your life, you'd be played by... Adam Sandler. <laughs> so true. Talent you don't have but wish you did. Hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm, I have many talents. <laughs> That's great. great. Great job, guys. Adam Sandler. Yeah. <laughs> Last question. What advice do you guys have for other aspiring entrepreneurs? Mine is simple. It's uh, just do it. So uh, try not to have all the fear um, build up because uh, then you'll never do it. So just take the leap and just be passionate. Yeah. Make sure you're doing something that you're passionate about. And if you are, then it's probably going to work out and bring people on board who, I mean, if you do have some fear, people who can support you and help you get through that. That's definitely what my family did for me. Um, I would have never started a business without them, but I needed you know, people like my brother and the rest of my family to say that we can do this together. I've heard of some companies says, I think their slogan might be just do it. Trademark, <laughs> right? Oh, I don't know, I don't I don't know, know, know. if you want to say that so many oh, times, no. man. I, I, just never, I feel like I've heard it before. <laughs> what about you, Miguel? Uh, find community and find mentors. Um, I think that it's pretty important uh, not to do what everybody has done in the past. Like you shouldn't be doing things because that's the way everybody does them. But I do think that, uh, mentors in the space can provide uh, tremendous, like emotional and, um, mental support when you're going through all of the ups and downs of taking a leap into the unknown. And then community is just important because, uh, I think that, businesses are are built with with uh people and it takes a village at least in our case it did so finding a group of people that can really um help you and support you is is important i mean and that really resonates with me personally i mean that i think for a big part of what we love here at vmg and and me personally is just really around this concept of building community and driving thought leadership because so much of that, of the things that the concepts you've brought up, there's so much that can be efficiencies that can be had. And it's just the right thing to do to really build community and, and have everybody share ideas because it really, um, it, it drives inspiration, but it also refu- uh, reduces a lot of the friction along the way. For sure. So, well, Miguel and Veronica, thanks for joining us on Unfinished Biz. Thank you Thank so you. much. So happy to be here. You've been listening to Unfinished Biz. I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We'll be back in the next episode with Moj Madara, co-founder and CEO of BeautyCon, and perhaps the most serial entrepreneur we'll ever have on our show. Moj was taught at a very young age that business is everywhere. You just need to know how to hustle, but even hustlers also need to know how to fail. Oh, I'm walking around anyway, so why don't I start selling candy while I'm walking around? So, like, I would basically flyer the neighborhood, but at the same time, I would be also selling C's candy. Then it became like, okay, well, then I could sell, like, basketball tickets, and then I could sell, like, like, what could I sell? Being a salesperson was, like, one of the earliest things I learned how to do. That's next time on Unfinished Biz. 
Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can subscribe to our show for free in any podcast app of your choice. Send us questions, comments, and feedback on Twitter at unfin underscore biz and visit us at unfinishedbiz.com.